Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God's word which we receive this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16 verses 13 to 20. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. On this rock I will build my church. This is a passage that has been in contention, the meaning of which has been in contention for at least 500 years from the very beginning of the Lutheran church. The Roman Catholics insist that the rock is Peter and that therefore only they are of the church who follow the, him whom they think is the successor of Peter, the Roman bishop. Although their conclusion about what the rock is is very much incorrect, they are nevertheless correct that here in these verses, Jesus discusses with us the very essence of what the church is and who we are as the people of God and what makes us a part of the church. Today we don't really need to get into a detailed discussion of all the arguments between the Lutherans and the Romans back and forth over the the many years, but we do want to take away from our text this morning a reminder of what that church is and who we are and what our responsibilities are having become members of that church. And so we discuss today what the church is, and Jesus makes it clear to us that the church is those who confess Christ, those who use the keys, and those who have escaped death. The church is those who confess Christ. The word confession can mean different things in different contexts. In the context of our discussion this morning and the passage before us, when we talk about confession, we don't mean merely that which is said with the mouth, do we? Rather, we're talking about that which is in the heart. And because it is in the heart, it is expressed, not only by our mouths, but in our deeds and in our actions. The Apostle Paul reminds us in Romans 10.10, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. In these verses, Paul is not expressing two different ideas, as though uh, what is in the heart and what is confessed with the mouth are two different things, but he's saying exactly the same thing in two different ways, in poetic fashion. That that which is in the heart and is, is expressed, this confession which we hear from Peter today, is the means of salvation. That faith by which we become Christ's. Speaking of that confession, 
Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church. That confession that Peter gave from his heart. Christ does not say in our text, on you, I will build my church, as though he is speaking to Peter. But he says, on this, I will build my church, because he is speaking of the confession which Peter made. And again, there are many things we could go into. The Greek words Petros and Petra, the use of pronouns, what happens to Peter right after this text, and some other verses as well, which show clearly that Christ is speaking of the confession that Peter gives and not the man. But above all these arguments, more important than any of them, is the fact that the entirety of Scripture from the very beginning testifies to the fact that Christ does not build his church on the strength of any man other than the man Christ Jesus, but that those who confess Christ are of the church. You go back to Abraham, and what do the scriptures testify? That Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. And the Apostle Paul reminds us that they are not the children of Abraham who were born according to the flesh, but who were born by faith. Those who confess what Abraham confessed. Abraham confessed his faith in Christ as he held a knife over his son Isaac, trusting that God's promises would not be put to vain, but that the God who promised him his son would raise him from the dead rather than deny his promise. And on that confession, those who, like Abraham, stand on that confession are the sons of Abraham. David, of course, when he committed adultery and murder, confessed his faith in Christ by confessing his sin to the prophet Nathan, not trying to make excuses, but pleading for God's mercy and trusting God's forgiveness. The, the prophet Job, when he was tormented, confessed that same faith, saying, I know that my Redeemer lives. And even in the New Testament, we have the example of the man born blind, who did not even know Jesus' name, and yet still confessed that same faith, saying, this man healed my blindness. Over and over again from the beginning, it is clear that Christ's church is built on that confession, that faith, which pronounces, this is the Christ. This is a confession, as Jesus says in our text, that does not come from the heart of man, but was revealed from heaven, from the very beginning. Again, we go back to the beginning. And it was a confession that God gave to Adam and Eve. I will send the Messiah who will crush the head of the serpent. Those who receive this confession from God and throughout history, faithful men having received that confession from God, repeat it back and Christ's church has been built upon it. Therefore, all who stand on this confession and repeat with Peter, you are the Christ, are standing on that rock. This is what makes us of the church. This is what makes us the people of God. Not that we're called Lutheran or Baptist or, or Roman Catholic not that we vote Republican or Democratic, not that we're members of faith, but that we stand on that confession, that we, with Peter, confess, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. To these people, to Peter who confessed, you are the Christ, and to us who confess, you are the Christ, Jesus has given this gift that we hear in our text today, 
the gift of the ministry of the keys. The keys to his house. If you're a stranger, of course, you have to knock on the door and wait for somebody to open and, and to let you in. But if it's your house, or if it's your parents' house, usually you don't knock. You probably have keys even to your parents' house. I don't usually even knock on my wife's parents' house anymore, and that's how I one time rather scared my mother-in-law because she wasn't expecting me, and all of a sudden someone was coming into her house and she didn't know who it was, right? The children don't knock, but usually have keys. And Jesus reminds us in our text to us who are sons of God through this confession of faith, we do not need to knock at the gates of heaven. For Christ has given us the keys to go in and to go out. When you're children, you usually bring your friends home as well. And Jesus has given us the keys, not only so that we can go in and out, but we can bring our friends along as well. It's true that in our text, Jesus uses the singular pronoun uh, when he says you. So he is clearly speaking to Peter. You, Peter, I give the keys. But of course, there are other passages in which Jesus makes it clear that he is not giving the keys only to Peter, but to all his disciples. We think of the evening of that first Easter when Jesus rose from the dead and then appeared to the disciples in the upper room and breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. He spoke this not just to Peter and not just even to the apostles, but to all the disciples who were gathered there. We know the amazed disciples, for one, were there, and there were other disciples as well. Even the women who went to the tomb that morning were probably there and received the keys along with the apostles. To all who make this same confession as Peter, Christ gives the right to become the sons of God, and with that right, the keys to heaven. These keys are not only a, a wonderful gift, but also a responsibility, aren't they? We fail in our duty as sons of God when we are slow or unwilling to use the keys to forgive the penitent. We also fail in our duty and our responsibility as children of God when we are slow or unwilling to retain, to warn those who are impenitent. The confession which Peter gives in our text this morning is a confession of forgiveness, isn't it? Because he doesn't just say you are the Son of God as one who has great power, but he says you are the Christ, indicating he is the one sent by God to save his people, to bring the forgiveness of sins to his people. It's a confession of forgiveness. And this confession of forgiveness and faith in Christ for salvation from our sins is the rock is the heart of what makes us a church. And if we will not use that forgiveness correctly, the church will not grow. This is what the church is built on. This, uh, well, I think it was this, just this last Monday night after Monday night service, some of the council members met to, to discuss the problem in the preschool room that the water keeps leaking in. It's better now than it was, but it keeps happening and some mold is growing in there. and They knew right away this is something you can't just ignore and hope it gets better. It needs to be dealt with or it's going to get worse. And the scriptures make it clear the same thing is true about our use of the keys. And this is something that needs to be dealt with or it will just get worse. You know, almost every week I stop by Arlene Thiem's house to drop off a DVD of the service. 
And often I, I see one of our kids there. This last week, uh, uh, Todd was out there mowing the lawn. Sometimes Dan is there. Sometimes one of her, her daughters are there. I imagine they all have keys to the house or at least uh, know where the, the key is hidden, probably. They, they're her children. They're her sons. They go in and out and they're there to help her and to take care of it. And that's what Jesus is telling us in our text this morning. To us, he has given the keys of heaven to go in and out of his house to take care of his house, which is the people of God, which are his people. We are the children of God through that confession of faith because Christ died for our sins. And as children, God wants us to use those keys. And finally, of course, the church is, as Jesus reminds us in our text, those who have victory over death. On this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Notice that Jesus does not say in our text, the armies of hell will not prevail against it, although that's true, and there are other passages uh, which confess that, which tell us that. Even Satan and his armies cannot stand against that confession of faith and that trust, which places a trust in Christ, and we see that, of course, in, in the account of Job. But that's not what Jesus says in our text this morning, but he says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Who wants to tear down gates, the gates of a city. It's either those who are besieging a city and want to get in against the will of the, the city's inhabitants, right? They want the gates torn down. Or it's those who are prisoners inside who want the gates to be torn down so they can escape. I don't think many of us want to get into Hades. And therefore, it is clear that Jesus is speaking to us as to prisoners trapped in death. And to us who are trapped in death, Jesus says on this confession, the gates of Hades will be broken open. You will be free to go. Jesus, of course, himself entered into death with us, but death could not contain him. But he rose again and the gates broke before him. And so Jesus reminds us as well that all who take their stand with Peter and confess that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and with David look to him for forgiveness of sins, to us also, the gates of death cannot hold against us. At the sound of the horn, the walls of Jericho fell. And at the sound of this confession, you are the Christ. The gates and the walls of death fall. And we follow Jesus out of death into life. Let us rise and confess with Peter that same confession in the words of the Apostles' Creed. Please rise. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.